0: yeah it's a team scam edition of the fantasy baseball today podcast happy Friday everybody welcome to the show hope you're ready for an hour of awesome fantasy baseball talk we got plenty of your emails at fantasy baseball at cbsi.com fantasy baseball at cbsi.com we got some combos to talk about and the dreaded sophomore slump Scott White. the pretzel are those the combos we're talking about yeah well you know that's I didn't know what to do about that because I, I've, I've made that reference on the fantasy football podcast. We've done combos before, and I've said that I think combos growing up were one of the worst snacks that I had. I hated them; they were disgusting. <laughs> that cheese in the middle of the combo is revolting, Scott White. Uh, oh, you but, know,
1: you know, it was gross. What handy snacks?
0: No, nah, I loved handy snacks, but I handy snacks. They were what? gross, but I did love them.
1: And <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> that was supposed to be cheese, I guess. Yeah. I, I don't know. I like was... the
0: stick, the little plastic stick thing. <laughs> oh yeah. That's right, fun. <laughs> and I love dunkaroos, right? Everybody loves dunkaroos. Uh
1: I don't think I ever had dunkaroos until adulthood, but you know, they're, they're good. They were
0: pretty good. If anybody out there listening to this podcast prefers the the vanilla or the white chocolate, whatever it was, dunkaroos over the chocolate like I don't want to be friends with you. It's a ter I can't, that no. It's such <laughs> a clear decision that the chocolate was better than the vanilla, so clear. Uh anyway, Scott, sophomore slump. Can I ask you unprepared top of your head, is there one player that you're worried about with the sophomore slump? And 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 here are the best rookie OPS, uh, the rookie OPS leaders from last year if this helps. Aaron Judge we don't really consider him sophomore slump, but Aaron Judge, Reese Hoskins, Matt Olson, Bellinger, Jesse Winker, Marti- Jose Martinez, DeYoung, Hanager, Hap, Mancini, Devers, Guriel. You know, there aren't a lot of
1: sophomores that are being drafted high. Uh, obviously there's Judge and Bellinger. Um, but beyond that, who's the highest, who's the highest sophomore that's going to get picked? Hoskins. It, it's Hoskins? Yeah. 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 And, and that's, you know, I've seen him go as late as like round seven. So, um, you know, as much as I love Hoskins, he's the one I probably fear, fear it for the most just because, um, you know, good, good play discipline. Sure. But in terms of success on contact, it was mostly just the home runs. Yeah. Um, And you know, it was it was such a whirlwind there the final two months of the season. Like, I I don't think we got a really good read of what type of player he's going to be in the majors. I think he's going to hit for power. I think he's going to get on base a fair amount. I've said before, I think he's going to be a lot like Edwin Encarnacion was. But we're, um, you know, sometimes he goes as early as round four, and that's kind of banking on him being that already. So I I guess he's the one I most Concerned for, just in terms of the, you know, I don't really have a good reason why I think he's going to slump, except for we haven't seen a lot from him. That's, now, Judge, yeah. we Hoskins. talked about Judge before, and there's mm-hmm. other reasons to think he's going to take a step back. Uh, but even those, I mean, I, I think you're still talking about second, third round value from him.
0: Yeah. All right. So that's uh, Reese Hoskins is the one that Scott called out. He'll be 25 years old in March. And yeah, only 46 strikeouts. Well, that's actually a lot in 50 games. But keep in mind, he had 14 strikeouts in August. He had 29 in September and 3-1 in one game in October. So the strikeouts increased as the year went on for Hoskins. Uh I, w- I guess I would nominate Matt Olson because I-, I feel like the only – well, he walked. He did walk. 22 walks in 59 games. Uh Nothing like Hoskins, 37 walks in 50 games. But the only thing Olsen really does is homer and get on base. So he sure. does- doesn't have much to fall back on, I guess. There's
1: like a – you know – 7 to 9 round difference in where you're drafting yeah. Olsen versus Hoskins which you know if 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 for where you draft them if Olsen has a sophomore slump I don't think it's going to be a big deal for you so that's why that that's why I was asking what sophomores are we really drafting high enough to to worry about a sophomore slump and I don't think there's that many
0: I agree that you know you take Matt Olsen I don't know I'll throw out around 13th round or something like that maybe a little later you can afford a bust in the thirteenth round. The only problem with that argument is that there are a lot of really good players at his position that are going to be drafted around them around then, and you have to decide if you want Olson over Josh Bell and Greg Bird and Justin Bohr and you could you could make the wrong decision and and really screw your team, Scott.
1: Well, what's what's stopping what's preventing a sophomore slump for Josh Bell?
0: No, nothing. He wasn't even yeah. on here. His OPS wasn't even in the top twelve. <laughs> among rookies. Uh, sophomore slump's a little bit tricky because some of those guys had at bats the year before and just, and kept their rookie eligibility. Uh, so it's, it's a, it's a trippy, tricky topic. We'll get into it. It's I, trippy too. It is trippy. Yeah. Uh, why is this team scam? In case you're not familiar, combination of our names, Scott and Adam, and Heath and Chris are team creeth. So this is a scam episode. Heath is out. Chris is doing some other stuff. But still, Chris is the man right now. I was nervous when we finished that podcast on Wednesday, the MLB team preview podcast. I was like, I don't know. I'm not sure how good it was. I don't know how the listeners are gonna respond to it. They loved it. They loved yep. it. I, I, I don't remember getting that kind of feedback about yeah, an episode. That, that was
1: actually team uh team uh Haddam. That was Team Haddam. Heath Heath and Adam were the, the concerned parties there, and
0: I was like, guys, it's gonna oh. be great. Oh no, but it was Chris's idea. That's what I was going for. It that, was Chris. That was a Chris idea. Towers yep. idea. And then I read something on the website yesterday that was great. It was a, a transcript of a chat between you, Heath, and Chris about mm-hmm. several topics. Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, well, you know, Heath having Mike Trout fourth, and uh,
1: yeah, we were discussing early round hitters in a very informal. You know, basically just a peek into a, um, a Slack conversation between Heath, Chris, and I. I
0: loved it. I really yep. did. It was awesome. Great read and quick read, um, really easy stuff. So just a great way to get more acquainted with some of the stats and some of the ideas that we have about these elite hitters. Take a look on cbssports.com slash fantasy. Uh, Scott, not a lot of um, news and notes today, but we might not get a pitch clock this year. I think we should hold off on talking about the pitch clock until we actually have concrete news, and we'll go from there.
1: It really sounds like we're not going to now if uh, if a uh, man – if Manfred isn't forcing it down the players' throats, I don't know why they're suddenly going to invite it back. So um, we're we're not having a pitch clock under the threat of if you guys don't bring the game time down, there will be an even shorter
0: pitch clock next year. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about <laughs> them bringing a, the game time down, whatever a boss you can do. Move from Scott, Manfred, there. Scott and I agree on this. The best thing to do in baseball would to be would be to not eliminate shifts, but I, I'm assume, I think you agree with me on this. I sh, I sh, will speak for you. Um, okay. But, uh, I don't think they should allow more than like two players on the infield on one side of the second base. Yeah. Oh, right. you do agree, great. Right.
1: Yeah. No, I I do agree. The you know to to, which eliminates the extreme shifts we've been seeing the last few years. Right. Um, just seems simple. To make make a rule where there's you know there's there's second base. Two infielders have to be on one side, two infielders have to be on another. It doesn't seem like it's you know, that that to me is not as fundamental of a change as imposing a clock on a game that famously has never had clocks.
0: There you go. All right, fair fair enough, and let's get into it with the emails fantasy baseball at cbsi.com. This is from Luke in Canton. Dear Carlos, Danny, and Corey.
1: Those sound like Cleveland Indians pitchers Carrasco, um, Salazar and Kluber. Okay,
0: with the news of the Humidor, does that drop Paul Goldschmidt for you at all? I am deciding between Goldschmidt and Blackman in a points league. As a keeper, am I giving the Humidor too much credit? And Luke, yeah, you are, because we don't know that there will be a Humidor, right? Not that I've seen. It's still it's still up
1: in the air. That was actually a, a talking point in that Slack conversation. Right. That's on the website, and uh, my my thoughts in there is if there is a Humidor. Um It's just, like we have so little data to go on We just have Colorado And Colorado is such a loopy environment Anyway That it's I, I don't know exactly how to apply What we've learned from their Humidor use there um, It seems pretty extreme The data they've come out with But the thing about Goldschmidt is He's always been great on the road And he's good at so many things um, You know, he had kind of a power slip, 2015. It was still a stud, or was it 2016? 16. Yeah, it's yeah, 24. Yeah, it was homers. still a stud. I, <laughs> I, I just think, I just think among the c- concerns you could have about first round hitters, that's among the lower ones.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, Blackman isn't isn't proven to be a first. You know, to to be he hasn't consistently performed at the level he did last year, and is old. You know, 31 years old. Harper gets hurt all the time. Stanton has an injury history. Like there, there's plenty of reasons to worry about all those first round hitters and I think
0: Humidor's pretty low on the list. Do you see a reason to worry about Mookie
1: Betts? I kind of feel like last year was a worst case scenario for Mookie Betts and though he didn't perform like a first rounder last year he performed like a second rounder. Right. So uh he's he's among the more worry-free options, sure.
0: I think the, the Humidor could be it would really upset me. I don't want them to have a humidor. Uh, me neither. He has a Goldschmidt has a 9.59 OPS in his career at home and a 9.04 OPS on the road. 9.04 OPS is outstanding, but it is 55 points lower than his home OPS. Now you look at 2015, a 33 homer season for Paul Goldschmidt. He hit 20 of them on the road. In 2013, he hit 17 home runs on the road, 13 at home. So there have been examples of him hitting for more power on the road. Uh but typically the batting average is better at home and the OPS is better at home. Uh And and then Goldschmidt, here's just, just a cold, hard fact about Goldschmidt. He has been the number one first baseman in fantasy in points leagues three straight years, no, in Roto three straight years, and number one or number two three straight years in points leagues. So, I mean, it's just that simple. Um When he had that power dip in 2016, he had a career-high 32 steals. I don't think we can expect that. He's probably more like the 18 he had last year, but... He's, he's awesome. He's awesome. I, I read this email, I started talking myself out of Goldschmidt at three, but then I did the research, I talked myself back into it, like he's totally fine at three, but, but I personally, like, have, Trout and Altuve are just no doubters one and two. And then I think there's room for debate after that.
1: If Heath was here, he'd say there's room for debate ahead of that. I know, but... I know. I can't do it. <laughs> I get it. with
0: I get it with T- Turner because he's shortstop eligible, and, he's go- and he could steal 60 bases, and that's, like, incredible. But I can't do it over just, Trout or Altuve.
1: I think it's prioritizing steals too much. Like, yes, there is the scarcity of them, and yes, there's the risk of you just getting left out of it completely because of that scarcity, but... If you, if you're making a halfway conscious effort throughout the draft to feed your steals total, like you don't really need that many steals to compete in steals because there are so few of them. So it just, yeah, I mean, we've talked about it before, but it just seems crazy of me to be so worried about steals that you're going to pass up trout for them. Like, sure. like Keith would do in his roto rankings.
0: And it's not like you don't get steals from trout. <laughs> yeah. Like right? he's going like, to give you 20 to 30 himself. Right. Okay. So next email is from Matt. Planalp, P L. He says you can spell my name la- my last name forwards and backwards. It's a palindrome. P L A N A L P. What a strange name that Planalp from Omaha. I love nice. this guy. A lot of responsibility right here. My league says that if you answer this question on the air, we will abide by the pod's decision. Ooh. I'm in a roto league that's been in existence since the 80s when standings were calculated using USA Today. Wow. Each team has two minor league roster spots for players in the CBS game who have yet to throw an MLB pitch or record an MLB at-bat. All right, two minor league spots. Two minor league players can be kept at no cost during the offseason and at a discount in future years. Shohei Ohtani has yet to throw an MLB pitch or record an MLB at-bat. I was the lucky one that added Ohtani minutes after he became available on CBS. Some in the league say that Otani should go to auction because he's not an actual M-I-L-B minor leaguer. Our league constitution written by attorneys is silent on the issue. Should (laughs) I be allowed to keep Otani or should he go to auction for the entire league? Scott, your decision is final. Well, here's what I have to ask: If
1: this league's been around with the '80s, you've dealt with this situation a number of times already, right? Ichiro Suzuki, Hideki Matsui. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, any anybody who's come over from Japan or Cuba, Jose Baez, like they're, they've technically been rookies. They've been eligible for Rookie of the Year, and I, I could understand why you'd make a special exception for them that MLB doesn't and say they're not really rookies. Um, but um, I I feel like you should have already dealt with that by now uh and in this case um, like i feel like i feel like there should probably be a better way to decide who gets the player in the first place than just who rushes to the, who happens to be sitting on the site the moment he becomes available in the cbs database you know right um but that's that ship is obviously sailed. I I think Scott. You know what? A I guess point. it hasn't
0: sailed because they're saying they want him to go to auction. Some do. Well, Scott has a great point. Use precedent if you can. If you right. can, if you
1: can use precedent, if you, nobody remembers or yeah, or like it just it
0: it. I don't know. I feel like somebody should remember what I, happened. I have a, I have a really hard time putting Otani in a minor league spot. It just doesn't feel right to me. Like I kind of feel there like there is it, no it, precedent. It, if you can honestly find
1: right. no precedent uh-huh. for how this has been handled before, then I think it's just it's just hard to know. If you say okay, we're going to put him to auction, it's hard to know exactly where to draw that line. It seems like a judgment call every time somebody signs from a foreign league, and that's kind of icky. Um, but I would say. uh
0: what do you say? I don't know. I, I feel on. like
1: there there probably should be a better way to disseminate these minor leaguers than this anyway. Maybe have like a minor league draft before the actual draft. Like maybe that should be the start of a new precedent, and then these players could be eligible for it and and there wouldn't be any judgment calls to be made.
0: Alright, since Scott won't make the tough call, I'll do it for you. I think that if there is no precedent, then he should go to auction. And I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm yeah, sorry, paladrome. Hopefully there's a precedent. There really should be. This is not An unusual thing by now Alright, this is Mark in Peoria, Illinois Dear Aramis, Derek, and Alfonso 2008 Cubs What are your thoughts about Eugenio Suarez's chance to replicate His breakout numbers from last year The big bump in OBP and walk Percentage for Eugenio Suarez Gives me encouragement And I like Suarez as a mid-round third base Or middle infield option I don't know that he'd be a middle infield option I think he made one appearance at shortstop Um but certainly he's a third baseman. Suarez, 26 years old, number 12 in points, number 13 in roto at third base last year. And, uh yeah, he did. He had an incredible OBP. Well, 260 uh, batting average, 367 OBP at an incredible walk rate. And a 461 slugging with 26 home runs and four steals for Suarez. Scott, do you like Eugenio Suarez as a mid-round pick? I don't see
1: much reason to be skeptical of what he did last year. Um, I don't see much reason to think there's room for improvement either. And that's really the problem. Now, if, if he is middle on field eligibility, I suppose that changes the equation a bit. But I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking at fantasy points per game. I don't know if your league's a points league, but points league sh- is theoretically Suarez's better format since he does walk and isn't really a standout in batting average or stolen bases. So head to head points per game. I see Arenado, Bryant, Machado, Jose Ramirez, Rendon, Donaldson, Turner, Bregman, Mustaka, Shaw, Devers, Beltre, Sano, Nunez, Lamb, Seeger. Wow, really? There's (laughs) there's at least 15 third basemen who average more head-to-head points per game than Suarez last year. Even with these numbers, you're kind of skeptical of him repeating. So I don't see how that's a middle-round pick. That sounds like a late-round pick.
0: Yeah, all right. I mean, probably better in OBP, but... Also, you better hope he doesn't get traded because Suarez had a 978 OPS at home, 693 on the road. And of course he is in a good park. And Paula in New York, and this is an interesting one with the, with the Garrett Cole trade, we lost uh, Brad Peacock as a Sparp. So Paula wants to know who the best Sparps are this year. And it is not a good looking year right now for Sparps, Scott White. Yeah, Peacock
1: was far and away the best. And, and I am still treating him as that because I think just the way the Astros are known to handle their rotation. He will make 20-plus starts this year, Peacock, uh, with with different options at the back end of the ro- ro- that rotation moving in and out. So he's still—he's probably second highest on the list for me, but I have Mike Miner as the number one. He signed to be a starter for the Rangers after a great rebound season with the Royals as a, he turned into a dominant reliever. Uh, but you know, going back a few years to like the 2013, 2012, he was a, you know, he was looking like a top 30 fantasy starter for the Braves uh, and then had some shoulder issues. So I think he could get back to being that. Um, just a late round flyer for me. So Mike Minor, Peacock's up there still. Mike Montgomery, assuming the Cubs don't bring in another starter would probably be third on my list. Um,
0: we, would you take a uh, Mike Montgomery or? like uh Edwin Diaz
1: in, in, in a points league yeah, that's points really league. where this matters right i i have diaz higher i've diaz significantly
0: higher all right would you take him would you take mike montgomery or uh brad brock i would take that's closer uh
1: if if brock if we if brock was going to be the guy all year it'd right. absolutely be brock but obviously Zach Britton is expected to return midseason, so you're not talking about a long-term closing solution there. I, I think I still lean Brock.
0: Okay, last one, because uh, you, you said Kelvin Herrera could be a bust for the Royals. Would you take Kelvin Herrera or uh not Mike Montgomery, but Mike Miner, who you have ahead oh, of him? Oh, definitely Miner. And Miner? actually, I think I have
1: Montgomery ahead of him, too. And okay. I'm forgetting one. I have him ranked, among all relievers, just one spot ahead of Montgomery, and that's Robert Stevenson of oh, the Reds, okay. who has walk issues. But um showed signs of turning the corner the last couple months last year.
0: Alright, uh, that's it for this first round of emails. We'll get to more a little bit later. Again, fantasy baseball at cbsi.com. That is the letter I, not the word. Alright, we're getting a lot of emails. Just remember I, I can't read all of them on the air, I can't even come close to that. Just uh I appreciate your patience. I know I can't get back to everybody. Feel free to tweet us, at CBS Scott White. I am at Adam Azer, A-I-Z-E-R. Heath is at Heath Cummings, Heath Cummings Senior, actually, at Heath Cummings SR. And uh, Chris is at C-Tower CBS. We've got other podcasts for you. Please go to cbssports.com slash podcast, singular, and check out uh, all, of, all of what we've got for you. And really good stuff. we got a great wrestling slash MMA slash boxing podcast called In This Corner that's getting very popular on iTunes and is killing it right now. We've got the Pick Six podcast with your Super Bowl coverage. Jason Lock and Fora, Pete Prisco, Will Brinson, Nick Costos on that one. We've got an awesome college basketball podcast. Ion College Basketball with Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander. I won't go through everything, but the last one I'll tell you about is our DFS podcast. So we, we don't do a ton of DFS on, on this show. Uh, a ton of FanDuel and DraftKings and Draft app. But we do on the uh, on the DFS podcast, which is the sports line DFS podcast. Heath is on that every day with Mike McClure. I am on it occasionally. I think I'll probably be on more during baseball season. But right now, it's mostly basketball plus golf, and uh, we had a Super Bowl edition yesterday. Scott, uh, ha- are you involved in the thing that is sweeping the nation? The craze that is sweeping the nation right now, it's the HQ trivia game. I am not. I am usually left out of crazes,
1: Adam, and this is one I am happy to stay out of. Why? It's so fun. I'm so into it. Oh, they're mining data. You sign up for that app. They're mining your data, and for what? So you could maybe win. Uh, I don't know. Oh, last $18, night. Eighteen dollars.
0: Oh, last night the the winners had six dollars and nineteen cents each. Oh. Oh <laughs> wow. Oh boy. <laughs> they're mining yeah. my data. What does that mean? They're mining my data.
1: They're mining they're they're finding all your personal info. They're they're they are uh not. they're building a profile on you. <laughs> they're well, absolutely doing that.
0: I like it. And one point <laughs> one billion people like it every weeknight. And then I don't know, I haven't done the afternoon round, but it's fun. All right, Scott, um let's do some combos. So I actually put these to Twitter polls as well, so we'll see what the people want. Do you want I'm gonna give you a short stop in both of these. Do you want Bryce Harper and Francisco Lindor? Or Carlos Correa and Freddie Freeman? So it's Harper and Lindor or Correa and Freeman? Who do you want?
1: I actually want Correa and Freeman here because I feel like Freeman is a first-round caliber bat. Has proven it two years over. Who just de- doesn't fit in the first round, just gets pushed out. Um, and among the early first-rounders, Harper is the one... Who concerns me the most just because there have been, you know, two of the last three years, right? Well, really back to back years, right? With injuries, yeah. He's kind of let you down. I mean, in a big way, two years ago, and then last year he was going fine, but then missed a couple months last, what, the last couple months of the season? He's only had,
0: he's only had one season where he hasn't let you down in his career, Bryce Harper, right? Yeah. Now, I mean, there's something
1: to be said for well, if he's producing like he did last year on a per game basis, oh, two thirds of a season. I mean, incredible. he's still an elite outfielder, and that's true. But, um, I think there's kind of, there's the way his style of play is is kind of invites injury. I yeah, feel
0: like. you know what? I I do want to bring this up about Harper though. It is a contract year, and not just a contract year, but he's about to sign probably the biggest contract in baseball history, if if Machado doesn't, but I think he will. I I like that. I, I like that for him. And I know some people don't think that matters. Sometimes it's mattered in the past. Sometimes it hasn't. I like it for Harper. I, I think he's looking for a four hundred million dollar contract. Do you think he's I, just gonna
1: he's gonna do the Rod Tidwell thing?
0: I don't know, man. I just I he, he's hurt. definitely risky. Here's a here's a strange thing. Freddie Freeman, right? So last year he got hurt. Yeah, he got hurt too. I mean, that's but he was worth bringing you know, up. He was incredible last year, but. But 2 years ago, Freeman hit 302 with 34 homers and 91 RBIs, which is a little low the 91 RBIs. 302, 34 homers, 91 RBIs, awesome year. He was only the number 14 hitter in points, number 20 in Rodo. Kind of strange. Um, a lot of last strikeouts. Year? No, 2 years ago. A lot of two. strikeouts that year and last, and he really improved that last season. Lowest strikeout rate of his career.
1: Yeah. Well, that was I think that was you know, that season only reflected half the breakout. It only reflected the second half. I think um he proved last year that he can be that second half version over a full season. Uh and and so that's I mean, that's basically as good as Harper. And and then the other half of this is just I think Correa is first of all better than Lindor. Yeah. And second of all, um more reliably elite than a Lindor.
0: Right, well, guess what, Scott? Yes, we lost the Twitter poll because Har- I would rather have Freeman and Correa too. Harper and Lindor fifty nine percent of the vote, and Freeman and Correa forty one percent of the vote. It's pretty close, though. Don't have a uh, fifty nine to forty one. That's not that close. That's pretty close. It could be like eighty to twenty. Uh, so <laughs> only one of them is a was a real blowout. <clears throat> so I, I didn't. I posted this only about uh, I don't know an hour ago, so I don't have that many votes yet. But here's our next one. Which combo do you want, Scott? Chris Sale and Cody Bellinger or Chris Bryant and Jacob DeGrom? Do you go for the elite pitcher here or the more proven hitter? Sale and Bellinger or Bryant and DeGrom?
1: Hmm. I think I would Hmm.
0: <laughs> I know this is a close one. This this is 52% to 48% in favor of Sale and Bellinger right now well, on Twitter.
1: Well, because my head, and in this scenario, my rankings will represent my head. I feel like they're saying one thing. Like my rankings would tell me to do Bryant and DeGrom. But I'm kind of feeling like Sale is the bigger upgrade over DeGrom than Bryant is over Bellinger. So I'm kind of feeling Sale Bellinger.
0: (laughs) I was going to go with Bryant and DeGrom, but I've always been like a man crush on Jacob DeGrom kind of guy. I love DeGrom, and he had 239 strikeouts and, 200 and 201 and a third. I actually think DeGrom is a little similar to Chris Sale. Like, in the past, you've looked at Chris Sale's ERA and been like, how? How is it so high? And then finally, he had, he, I don't think he'd ever been better than 10th at starting pitcher, maybe 8th. And finally last year, Sale broke out. I think that could be coming for DeGrom. And I worry about a sophomore slump for Bellinger. Still having a really good year, but not like a, an elite year. So per, I would go yeah. Brian and DeGrom, but I totally get Salem Bellinger.
1: No, oh, those are, those are fair points. I understand where you're coming from. I, I think Brian DeGrom is probably the safer combo and and Bellinger is the upside combo.
0: All right. Let's go to the third one here. You want a catcher. I'm going to give you two options here. Would you want Gary Sanchez and Miguel Cabrera or Wilson Contreras? So a little worse than Sanchez, but Jose Abreu, a little better than Miguel Cabrera. So you got Gary Sanchez and Miggy, or Wilson Contreras and Jose Abreu?
1: I will go with Sanchez and Cabrera.
0: This is another close one, another nail-biter on Twitter. 52% say Sanchez and Miggy. And forty eight percent say Wilson Contreras and Jose Abreu.
1: That's that's cool. And what was the last one? I don't remember. Also
0: fifty two and forty eight. Okay, in favor of C.L. Bellinger. C.L. Or C.L. Bellinger or... over Brian yep. and Degrom. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's cool. I mean, look, I I did take Sanchez and Miguel Cabrera in the last head-to-head points league draft we did. Sanchez in round three, and Cabrera was I think round five, maybe round six. Mm-hmm. Um how much of a difference do you think there is between Gary Sanchez and Cody and Wilson Contreras on a per at bat basis? It wasn't much different last year. That's just last year.
1: It, maybe it wasn't on a per game basis. It was, there was a huge difference. And I, I think it's, it, it, it it's the distinction is notable because of the way Joe Madden um, employs his lineup. Like, like Sanchez, I feel like, especially now that you know Matt Holliday isn't there, they don't they don't really have like a dedicated DH. Oh, you know what?
0: Actually, they, they do. They do. They do. They have the four yeah, it's outfielders. Gonna be, it's
1: probably going to have to be one of Judge or Stanton right. most every day. Um, so that so scratch that argument. But I feel like Sanchez can is will be more reliably behind the plate for the Yankees than Contreras will for the Cubs, and a lot of those at bats
0: for Contreras will come as a substitute. <laughs> you know i never thought about that looking at the stanton trade as a downgrade for gary sanchez yeah i hadn't either right this moment and now look so so the reason is i we all thought that sanchez would get some dh at bats i thought he you know would if not lead the position and plate appearances come very close and he still might but uh they got to keep him they got to keep him in the lineup so they could go with uh with they have four outfielders. They have Gardner, Hicks, Stanton, and Judge. Mm-hmm. They could play Gardner in center field and and try to get Judge or Stanton in left field and use yeah. them as both corner. I, I imagine that'll created. happen some. Right, that'll happen some. That, like it,
1: I don't think Hicks will play literally every day. I think Gardner will get days off. He's in his mid thirties, um, and and so there's still a, Sanchez started 18 games at DH last year. So it's not like we're, you know, it's not like he's. Needing to do it twice a week or anything. So, right. Just to, to meet last year's expectations.
0: Right. But, and and um, then, and the other side of it, you know, the other part of it is the first baseman. And I'm just so enticed by Miguel Cabrera. I got burned by Jose Bautista last year as I was taking Bautista in sort of a similar spot. I thought he would bounce back and boy, he was terrible. I'm not ready to say that Miguel Cabrera is done. I, he's younger than Bautista was and he's one year removed from being like <laughs> unbelievable. So I'm so enticed by by Sanche, by a Sanchez Miguel Cabrera combo.
1: That's the thing. like if Cabrera does bounce back, that is you, you got the best catcher in fantasy, and clearly um you know, somebody who's at least as good as Jose Abreu and possibly even better. yeah, and yeah, between the fact that Cabrera was playing with uh, I think it was a hip injury all of last year. Um, and the fact that he still had great a great contact profile, I, I think there's plenty of reason to think he could bounce back.
0: I don't think he DH'd much, but they need to start making Miguel Cabrera the DH. Sorry, Victor Martinez. Like it's time to make Miguel Cabrera the DH again. All right, last one: George Springer and Robbie Ray, or Justin Verlander and AJ Pollock. This is a runaway right now on Twitter. It's a, it's an outfield downgrade for a pitcher upgrade. So it's Springer and Robbie Ray or Pollock and Justin Verlander. Who do you want, sir?
1: This, I feel like the answer is going to depend, depend on your confidence level in Justin Verlander. Uh, because if, if you like me, I think he's basically what his final numbers the last two years show, that he's you know, one of the few aces out there, somebody who will give you the big strikeout totals in 200-plus innings. Um, you know, Robbie Ray, what did he have, 160 innings last year? There's a lot of reason to be excited about Robbie Ray, but there's reason to wonder if, A, he was as good as he was last year, and B, if he'll ever be as good as Verlander. So... Um, you know, obviously Springer is better than Pollock, but Pollock does some things well that, I mean, steals are hard to find, and in theory, he should be a good source of batting average, too. So I'm, I'm leaning Verlander Pollock here.
0: Verlander Pollock, well, the people on Twitter think you're an idiot! They say. Oh. <laughs> Springer and Robbie Ray with 72% of the vote. I the the tough part like for you the tough part is how, evaluating Verlander or, or well you think you know it's yeah what,
1: well I just happen to know that like it seems like the general population doesn't like Verlander as much as I do and that's been the case for a couple
0: years now and for me the tough part is evaluating Robbie Ray because he still walks everybody he had a really low BABIP last year didn't give up a yep. ton of hits so I I see so much. Uh, So many possible outcomes for Robbie Ray, including like you're dropping Robbie Ray by midseason, or he's top three in the Cy Young. (laughs) I I feel like Robbie Ray, just because he's so extreme with strikeouts and with walks, is one of the most extreme pitchers in terms of possible outcomes. Do you feel that way?
1: Yeah, I feel that way. I mean, one of the reasons I liked him to break out last year is because the BABIP was so high, but he kind of swung it the other way. With similar peripherals, other across the board. So um, yeah, I don't know if he's going to take the middle ground between his last two seasons. I mean, the, some of the some of the individual game strikeout totals for Ray last year were just ridiculous, and so that that leads me to wonder if he has upside beyond even what we saw last year, um, as low as the BABIP was. But yeah, I, I do see a scenario with the walks and with. You know the fact that he did have such a low BABIP last year, like you said, where you know it's not outside the realm of possibility. We're just dropping him midseason because he's he can't get out of his own way. Like it's the it's not a likely scenario, but it's it's among the scenarios.
0: Robbie Ray was the number thirteen starting pitcher last year in points leagues, and I probably don't have enough time to look up where he was in Roto. It was right around there in Roto. I think it was a little worse because his WHIP was kind of high. Um, nope. I'm looking at projections. This is a real, a real dud of a research segment here, Scott. Let's just say he was around 12th in both formats and, and get on with our day. Uh, which brings us to the sophomore slump. Uh, how, how much do you buy into it just in general?
1: As this kind of like unquantifiable, uh, specter looming over every second year player. <laughs> right. <laughs> I have I've gotten burned by it enough that I I buy into it to some degree. Now I will always favor the numbers over just that year two on a player's profile. Like I'll I'll give I'll I'll defer to the numbers. But if it's a close call between a sophomore and somebody more experienced, somebody more proven, I will definitely go with the more proven player.
0: Is there a difference in draft approach? We talked about the one-hit wonder, one-year wonder, whatever you want to call it, uh, that, that whole phenomenon earlier this week. And you said you'll take them out of value. Do you feel the same way about sophomore slump, or you don't really have that luxury? Because for the most part, we're talking about higher-end players here. Well, not for the most part, but we are talking about Aaron Judge and Cody Bellinger and Reese Hoskins, guys like that. The one-hit wonders tend to go later.
1: Yeah, those are the only three. And, you know, I just don't worry about much of anything Bellinger did last year. Like, it just seems, all the data seems to support what he did. It's exactly what he profiled as in the minors. Like, I, I don't, I, I just feel fine about Bellinger. And it seems yeah. like I'm, I'm among the higher ones in the industry on but, it. But, so. you know,
0: like you, you bought into Trey Turner last year. You, you knew that he wasn't going to have the same type of batting average. Um, But you thought you know he had right you hit I forgot what your argument was but he had enough line drives you thought he'd hit around three hundred or something like that
1: yeah no his line drive rate last uh, as a rookie in that partial season was among the highest in the in baseball Mm -hmm. and then his sophomore season last year it was one of the lowest in baseball (laughs) this Trey
0: Turner and the thing is uh, as a fantasy player Turner was amazing but that's because of the steals he his OPS went down from nine thirty seven to seven eighty nine. He yeah. only played 98 games. Um, he had a respectable slash line, but if, if he doesn't get the steals, Trey Turner's you know, not really much of a fantasy asset. Uh, not a,
1: not a first rounder,
0: certainly not. But I mean, look, you a guy who hits 284, 338, 451 with like a 20 with like an 18 homer pace, he's not a fantasy asset, really. It's you need the steals, so that that's kind of setting Trey Turner apart in this argument. None of these guys on this list are base dealers, really. Uh, from last year, the rookie the OPS leaders. Uh, but, no, I, I mean I could tell you guys who burned me in the
1: past. Eric Hosmer burned yeah. me. Brett Lowry. I was drafting Brett Lowry. Oh, Brett Lowry. I, I drafted wow. him as early as like round three out of his him. sophomore season, and he was never as good. Never close to as good as he was as a rookie. Right. Um, uh, Car- I didn't get burned by Carlos Correa because I was scared of the sophomore slump in his situation, and and he he did take a notable step back his sophomore year. Mm -hmm. Um, But that was, you know, that was Carlos Correa as a first-round pick. And so, you know, more reason to be scared of him then Mm -hmm. than what we're seeing with these three players now. Um, Like I said, there's, you know, it's not like I'm confident in all three of Judge Bellinger, Hoskins, Judge... I don't think should be a first rounder, but there are reasons beyond just the fact he's a sophomore that are, are leading me to say that.
0: I guess the concept behind it is adjustments were made and guys struggle. Uh, you know, the pit, like the, the league catches onto them. Judge is a yep. little bit different than Hoskins, certainly than Hoskins. He has a lot more MLB experience than Reese Hoskins and uh, more than Cody Bellinger because Judge had with like eighty four at bats or something in two thousand sixteen, uh, well, had twenty seven games in two thousand sixteen, and um, and started the season with the club, whereas Bellinger was a little bit later than that. Uh, mm-hmm. So you know, I I don't know if this even applies to Aaron Judge. We think he's going to be worse than he was last year, of course, but I don't know if it would be a sophomore slump situation. That's kind of the tricky yeah. part about. I mean, this.
1: that maybe wasn't that kind of going on the start of the second half.
0: Yeah, so that's kind right. Of adjusting to him, or or it was the shoulder injury, which he, which he was playing through. He had surgery. Maybe,
1: yeah. And and just to give some other past examples, I mean, Jason Hayward, mm-hmm. um, was never as good as his rookie season. Uh, I think Buster Posey, just going off memory here, but I think he took a notable step back his second year. Jeff Francoeur, if you want to go further
0: back, Trevor Story. Sure. He's horrible. Yeah. Will Myers is a great, 831 OPS is a rookie for Will Myers, 614 the following year. Well, Puig. Yes, you're Puig. Puig, yeah. So it happens, and I, I do want people to, to think about it, but it also, it, just like, <laughs> just like the one-hit wonder thing, there's JD Martinez and Dallas Keuchel where, where it didn't happen, where, you know, it wasn't just a one-year thing. There are examples of guys who don't slump after a, a really good, uh, rookie season. So it's not a set in stone thing. But I guess I'm a little worried about Cody Bellinger. Just seemed like a, a great year for him. I, I don't think he's going to be bad, but 39 home runs in 132 games. I don't think he's going to hit 39 home runs in 155 games this year.
1: I, I guess maybe, I guess maybe the way to think of it is this. Like if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. Like that was certainly the case in Hosmer, Laurie, um Carlos Correa that he eops ed like a thousand right. coming up as a rookie shortstop. Um, and, uh, but I, I, you know, I don't think, like Bellinger had a very good year, but nothing about it seems too good to be true to me.
0: Alright, here's one. This is a guy who's gonna get drafted as a, as a middle infielder probably. Paul DeYoung. He's 24 years old. He hit 285 with 25 homers in 108 games. <laughs> 25 homers for a shortstop in 108 games, but 21 walks to 124 strikeouts. And I broke down Paul DeYoung's season. He had a 30, he had a 37 game stretch right around the All Star break. It started just before the All Star break with a 1050 OPS, 30, 33, 33 batting average, 14 home runs in 37 games. That 37 game stretch out of 108 games basically made his season. Before that he had a 763 OPS, after it he had a 732 OPS. So, Paul DeYoung, you take his 108 game pace, give him 155 games, he would have been the number 5 shortstop in points leagues. But I do see him as a big time sophomore slump guy. And I mean, I think that's just reflected in the walk to strikeout ratio, but what do you think about DeYoung?
1: Mhm. Yeah, that's I I think there're enough quantifiable reasons to be skeptical of DeYoung that um, I don't even know that I put him in this category, and he's an interesting player just because it seems like there are, um, there's a big disparity within the fantasy industry about what how how valuable he is. I
0: yeah, I Heath loves Heath, him, right?
1: Heath has him much ranked much higher than I do, but you know, I I didn't really feel like I could put DeYoung on my bust list because if you go to Fantasy Pros and see his consensus ranking, it's it's closer to where I have him. I think I think there's a lot of Trevor story in Paul DeYoung. Right, right. And I don't mean that in a good way. I mean, yes, I think he'll hit for power, for good power, for a shortstop. But there's not a lot else there. And certainly, if you're talking about a points leak scenario, he walks so little that even as well as he performed last year, it wasn't it wasn't like he was a standout. Well, if he
0: if he had played if he had played 155, I don't know what it was on a per game basis. Yeah, well, oh, I'm do, telling you, you on
1: a per game basis, he was, um, 2.84, which was basically what Xander Bogarts was last year. And I've, we've talked before about how Bogarts didn't have a great year. It's, no, it's but, about what Anderson Simmons was last year. It's But about those what, guys
0: were, what did Bogarts finish as, like, eighth or ninth in shortstop? Cause I, cause
1: he, he was, he was a start, he was a starting caliber shortstop, but he wasn't a standout
0: is what I'm he saying. He wasn't, no, uh, he was sixth. Uh, he's probably seventh because Machado's not on this list uh, yeah um no like, I, I look, don't see it, a better scenario
1: young the De young delivering a better scenario than he did last year right and if that's what his best
0: case scenario looks like
1: i I don't know it's I don't scary. I don't see much reason to get excited
0: it's it also reminds me of Rugnet door just horrible play discipline and it's just not a good thing and uh all right and, and then I think uh one thing that you might want to look at is guys who do a lot of things that even if they do slump at the plate, Trey Turner, perfect example, and Andrew Benintendi, a perfect example. He went from an 835 OPS to a 766 OPS. It's not good, but 2020 guy, he his plate discipline was good. He still was a valuable asset, And even though I would call Benintendi a teeny tiny minor bust from last year. He still mm. was a guy that was worth starting and didn't kill your team like some of these others. No, I, yeah, I, I liked Trey
1: Turner's batted ball profile last year. You pointed that out. And I, I guess I was wrong about that. But one of my arguments for Turner last year, too, um, was he's good at so many things that he can afford to lose one and still be a stud. And that's, that's exactly what happened. He lost the batting average and was still a stud. Right. And though he do, he's not a true sophomore because, you know, he, he'd gotten so many partial seasons that he wasn't a rookie last year. That's kind of the same argument I'm making for Tommy Pham this year.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah. Fam doesn't really feel like a sophomore
1: to me. He he he's technically not. But yeah. um and he and he's thirty years old, which makes him <laughs> even less so. Right? right.
0: He's like uh he's like the quarterback in uh necessary roughness if yeah. he's a sophomore. <laughs> what was his name in the movie? Paul was it what the hell was his name? Paul? I don't know. You've seen it, right?
1: No, I just went I just laughed because it, it sounded like it made sense.
0: I get i I, what's I got his the name? context of it. Is it Scott Bakula? I get him, and the guy from Charles in Charge. Yeah, that's Scott Bakula. What's Charles and Charles? Charles in Charges actor's name? <sighs> Come on, Scott. Scott Bayo Yeah, no. Ah, uh, yes.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, they're both Scott Bs, so I can understand why you mixed yeah, it up. Yeah. What was but Scott, Scott Bakula name. was
0: Quantum Leap, right? Yeah. What was his and name in Necessary Roughness? I feel like it was Paul. All right, we're gonna look this up, and we're gonna read some emails. And here we go. By the way, uh, Rafael Devers probably should have been part of this discussion, but plenty of time to talk about him. Emails, uh, baseball at cbanside.com. This is from Sean. Five by five head to head league. I can keep one of the following. My gut is telling me Benintendi. Benintendi in the ninth, Justin Turner in the twelfth, Ender and Ciarte in the sixteenth.
1: Benintendi, Benintendi, Benintendi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, did, your, did your the effect work a... there? No, it did not. It was just Benetendi. you saying Ah, I don't know. Somebody somebody messed with messed these. With me. Oh! Oh, oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay, uh, Benetendi, 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 it is. Thank you, Scott. It, and his name is Paul Blake in the movie Necessary Roughness. Oh, Jeremy in Canada. That's how he spelled it. Needs dynasty format advice. Oh, by the way, you're looking to play... Some dynasty fantasy baseball. You do it on cbsports.com You can trade draft picks up to three years in advance. Uh, we're making a lot of strides. We know fantasy owners want dynasty leagues. They want a place to play them. We get that question a lot. cbsports.com has gotten so much better. So you got to check out the commissioner product. Uh Jeremy in Canada needs dynasty advice. 16-team head-to-head points keeper league. How do I deal with quality starts and wins? Our standard format is plus 5 for a win and and minus 5 for a loss. I am proposing uh, plus 3 for a quality start, plus 3 for a win, and keep losses at minus 5. What do you think, Scott? It's really
1: hard for me to assess point scoring changes without seeing how it would affect the whole landscape. Cause it's just hard to know the unintended consequences of this. I, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of our standard scoring system, which is three points for a quality start minus five for a loss, but seven for a win. I mean, seven versus three, there's a big difference there. And uh, I can understand you wanting to dilute the impact of a win. I think that's, that's a noble cause, but I just don't know how that changes the whole landscape. So I, I would definitely experiment with that. Um, i like, I'm not comfortable giving this the go ahead without seeing what it would do. I mean. Alright,
0: well I, I, maybe I'll compromise. I think you definitely
1: need to have three points an inning. If it's one point an inning, then no, that's uh, that's not doing enough to separate the good pitchers from the bad
0: pitchers. I'll, I'll compromise. I don't love plus seven for a win when you have plus three for a quality start and minus five for a loss. It doesn't really make sense. I think it values wins too much. So if you don't think plus three for a win is enough, then I think you should – I think that Jeremy in Canada, you should go with plus three for a quality start, minus five for a loss, and plus five for a win.
1: Which is what they already had, it looks like. They they had been doing right. five for a win, even though the CBS standard is seven. So, so just so,
0: adding plus three for a quality start.
1: I mean, if they still think wins are too influential, cutting it down two points like that, then I don't know. Maybe Maybe it's a good idea. Like, I just – I, I kind of feel like you should dilute the impact of a loss, too, if you're going to do that.
0: Um, well,
1: I know that's not a very good answer. People want. Right. Uh, by the way, I wanted Force to give injured.
0: out a, a URL. If you do sign up for a commissioner league on CBS Sports, go to cbssports.com slash fbt, as in fantasy baseball today, cbssports.com slash fbt. All right, here's an email from Gmail. No name, just says Gmail. Keep four in a 10-team head-to-head league. Don't know if it's categories or points, but so please specify next time. Keep four, Trout, yes, Correa, yes. All right, so keep two, (laughs) Bumgarner, Jose Ramirez, Posey, no, Judge, Hoskins, Springer. Keep two out of these five: Bumgarner, Jose Ramirez, Judge, Hoskins, Springer. I'll even let I'll even throw Posey in there just in case I'm wrong, but I'm not.
1: Ramirez and. Very close call between Springer and Judge. If, if strikeouts are minus a full point instead of the standard minus one half, then I think you definitely go Springer. Um, but it, and otherwise, since it's a shallower format, I think I played for the upside and Judge and do, uh, so then Trout, Correa, Ramirez and Judge.
0: All right. Our next email comes from, oh, and again, no name. What's going on here, people? It's probably my fault. Um, Dear Perron, Letterman, and Ortiz These are Davids And David Perron is apparently a Canadian ice hockey player He's, Okay David Perron is a Canadian professional ice hockey player He currently is an alternate captain for the Vegas Golden Knights of the National Hockey League According to Wikipedia I would
1: have gone Coulier, but
0: <laughs> Yes uh, Two-keeper Dynasty League And I have decided I am keeping Giancarlo Stanton Do I keep Bellinger or Freddie Freeman? In a dynasty league.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, Freddie Freeman's about five years older than Bellinger. And I think that's enough in a dynasty context to keep him over Freeman. Even though Freeman is certainly better in the present, Bellinger could lap him here at some point in the next couple years. And then Freeman will retire soon after that.
0: <laughs> retire? He's 28. I don't know. He's going to retire anytime <laughs> soon. Okay,
1: so... That's okay. Funny. No, yeah, I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm being kind of liberal with my use of, uh, of I think The funny. passage of time But it moves fast, people It does I'm man. telling you Freeman will be retiring before
0: you know it Uh Pete from Indianapolis dear peanut butter and jelly That's kind of funny I'm in a 12-team head-to-head categories Keeper league Which starting pitcher should I keep? 12-team head-to-head categories Nola, McCullers, or Jordan Montgomery? Nola Yeah, no doubt James in Kentucky, Dear Crush, Tony Two Bags, Thor, and the mayor of Ding Dong City. So the mayor so of D- I, Ding Dong City oh. is Travis Shaw. Thor is Cindergaard. Yep. Crush is Chris Davis, right? I think so. Who the hell is Tony Two Bags? Anthony Rizzo?
1: Tony Two Bags is... <laughs>
0: Are you looking it do Rendon.
1: Up? Tony bags
0: is, oh, okay, I guess he's Anthony Rednode. Good to know. That's what Matt Williams called him, apparently. The Marlins will be the worst this year. What are the chances that Justin Bohr doesn't get pitched to at all and significantly improves on his 11% walk rate? Could Justin Bohr be a decent value in points in OBP leagues?
1: Well, 11%'s already pretty high. Um, I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes higher, but I, I, I'm kind of taking the, Opposite approach here because I just, I mean, the batted ball data and, and obviously the strike out to walk ratio it looks good for Bohr last year. It looks like he's a player who can carry himself. I'm just not convinced that he is because he was, you know, this is not like when the Braves started tearing th- everything down around Freddie Freeman. We already had a pretty good idea even before he debuted in the majors that Freddie Freeman was that kind of, that caliber of bat and Bohr was just kind of this you know this this presumed to be quadruple a guy who um you know kept putting up decent numbers and then had a pretty close to great season in a year where everybody was great around him so i i'm th- this is possible but it's also possible that it doesn't happen because Bohr winds up being not something pitchers should really fear um without any help mm mm-hmm. I think we should look
0: into, uh, I do. But you, you last year said that Justin Bohr might be taking a quote stud turn. So are you sort of changing your tune because of Bohr or because of the Marlins?
1: Because of the Marlins, it's just, like that is going to be such a jarring, um, environment change for Bohr. Yeah. For a player who, like I said, yeah, there were reasons, there are, just looking at the data, there are reasons to be excited about Bohr. There were last year, and there are even now. But I just don't know how much of that was being in the same lineup with Stanton, Ozuna, Yelich, and if he's somebody who can really carry himself without that.
0: Sure. I think we should look at some teams that have been, like, bottom five in runs scored and see how many great hitters there have been on those teams, great fantasy hitters that don't steal bases. You know, I'm thinking of, like, Will Myers off the top of my head, but he was kind of a steals guy. All right, something to look into. Here's Thad in Minnesota. Let's see. This is kind of a long one. Uh, all right, the question is, there's been a run on starting pitchers. He's in a dynasty draft that's a slow offline draft right now. He has Trout. And in the second round, there's been a run on starting pitchers. The studs, the four studs, then Strasburg, DeGrom, Bumgarner, Granke, they went in the second round. I have two picks in a row and the best available bats are Vado, Jose Ramirez and Springer. But there's also Cindergard, Severino and Verlander. So you've got great value here to take along with Trout, Vado and Jose Ramirez or Vado and Springer or do you go with a pitcher here, Scott because everybody else is went pitcher and you know he's got two full rounds before his next two picks. <laughs> this is about adjusting to runs. I would go I would go one of each. I would probably go Vado and and like Cindergard or something. I'd or, Yeah, like, I mean I'd I'd go
1: Votto and Severino. You can't pass up Votto if you can get him with Trout. That is uh not a scenario many fantasy owners will get to experience. All right, cool. But um yeah, Severino if you want to make sure you get a high-end pitcher, that would be my choice. But you know, I want to have a problem with Cindergard. There's not much beto- separating them.
0: Last email here is from Matt. He says uh, in his subject line, "Drink the milk after Cinnamon Toast Crunch." I just drank the milk as I write this. Eleven teams, seven by seven roto. <laughs> Pick one: Cindergard, Robbie Ray, Wilson Contreras, Aaron Nola, or Elvis Andrews. Cindergard, Robbie Ray, Wilson Contreras, Nola, and Andrews. It's an eleven-team seven by seven roto league with caper nine, by the way. Cinderguard. Okay. Thank you, Scott White. Have yourself a merry little weekend, sir. Who you got in the Super Bowl? Shaw! In the Super Bowl, oh, he's not playing. Oh, no.
1: Oh, um. I have the Patriots because, of course, the Patriots are going to win. Of course, Adam. <laughs> I don't want them to. Don't get me wrong, but I, you know, I've witnessed that. Phenomenon first. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. You could argue the Patriots should have lost to the Rams. They should have every lost Super Bowl, Seahawks. Scott. Every Super Bowl. They should have lost to the Falcons. Yeah. They. It, it came very close to losing to the Panthers, and it's not like the, Eagles, Eagles. the first Eagles right. Patriots Super Bowl was
0: a blowout. No, you know, the largest margin of victory for them in a Super Bowl was last year in overtime, six points. <laughs> Every, and that's why I'm excited because I think well I'm not really that excited because I hate the team so much as a Giants fan but I think uh the, every Patriots every Patriots Super Bowl has been a, an exciting game. I mean last year I thought it was kind of a crappy game. I know people hate me for saying that. It was two crappy halves of football. Um, <laughs> but uh no, they're always close. They're I was on close. pins
1: and needles at the end. Of it. I'm sure you were. I, I was too, but f- for you know the first forty. 43 minutes or whatever it was.
0: Two wrongs don't make a right. That's how I felt about last year. 43 <laughs> minutes cool.
1: of game time. It's Probably like light. three hours and 43 minutes of actual time.
0: We got to get out of here. Take it easy, man. We'll talk to you on Monday or Tuesday. Next week we might have four shows for you. Everybody enjoy the weekend. See ya.